moment, I want to read a section of scripture to you and just, just spend a few minutes giving you some thoughts about Thanksgiving. Uh, this morning we celebrated uh, the resurrection of Jesus. This passage is also about the resurrection. Uh, we also took communion this morning, uh, which was about uh, all the ways that Christ uh, shares with us the various benefits that he won on the cross and in the resurrection. Let me read uh, from 1 Peter 3, because this was written many years after Easter, uh, after the first Easter. Uh, we said this morning that on the first Easter day, Peter and all the other disciples weren't in a very uh, strong state. Uh, they, they were afraid. They were locked in, in the room. They didn't want to go out because they were afraid of what might happen to them. Well, this is now a couple of decades or so after that night. And Peter writes to another group of Christians who are suffering and afraid to put their hope in the resurrection of Jesus. He, he takes what he learned that first Easter and he pays it forward. And, and I want to say that uh, if you look at the verse, you have it printed there for you in the bulletin. In verses 18 to 22, you kind of get basic reasons why we ought to be thankful. Things that Jesus has done for us that we ought to be thankful for. And then in verses 1 uh, through 6 of chapter 4, we get all the ways that we're to show our thanksgiving. And so let me read, and then we can, we can talk just a few minutes about it. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. That's a powerful passage. It's also deep, and I recognize there's more here than we could possibly cover just in a few minutes. But I want you to think under those two main categories I just gave you. Uh, first of all, in verses 18 through uh, 22, you can find several ways, several reasons why we should be thankful for what Jesus has done for us at the cross and the empty tomb. And then the second category, verses 1 uh, through 6 of chapter 4, several ways that we can show our gratitude beyond just words. That's what I want to think about uh, here for a moment. First of all, uh, what should we be thankful for? Uh, well, I want you to notice, 
he mentions both the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and he tells us what the death did and what the resurrection did. And both of them are vitally important. Uh, Christianity can't be just a cross religion or just an Easter religion. It's got to be both. It's about the cross and Easter. Because Jesus performed a mighty miracle at both places. Uh, if you'll look in verse 18, he describes what the cross did. And he describes it in really interesting words. He says, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Did you notice that word for there? Uh, that word for means in the place of. And so the death of Jesus was what we say in theology is substitutionary. Uh, Jesus didn't die because he was a sinner. It says here he was righteous. But he died because his people are sinners. We are the unrighteous. And so the righteous one had to put himself in the place of the unrighteous one. And when he did, look again at verse 18, what happened? When the righteous one put himself in the place of the unrighteous ones, what happened? He brought us to God. Do you see that? He died in our place to bring us to God. That's what the cross accomplishes. Um, have you ever looked at the word atonement written out? It's got three little parts to it, the word atonement. At one meant. And that explains what the cross was about. It was to bring God and us, who were not at one, back at one. In fact, the word was invented by the early English translators of the Bible to try to figure out how to translate the Bible word. They didn't, they didn't have a word for it. And so they made the word at one meant to describe how when Jesus died, he took you because you were far away from God and he brought you and he brought me back to God. Now that's something to be thankful for. Tremendously thankful for. Because when we're not close to God... We are, as we looked at this morning, very much liable to God's judgment. That's why Peter brings up this idea of Noah and the flood. In the days of Noah, God expressed his judgment on the world. Kids, how did he do that? In the days of Noah, how did God judge the world? A lot of rain. A flood that flooded the whole earth. And it filled the world, and every living creature was, was killed. And it's, it was actually a very tragic event. But it was an expression of God's anger against rebellion and sin. When you're not brought back at one with God through Jesus, that is what the, your prospects are. That's what my prospects are apart from Jesus. But when Christ brings us back to God, we no longer have to fear the flood of judgment because we've entered into the ark. That's what he says. Uh, back in Noah's day, it was sad because only eight people got into the ark. Out of all the people in the world, only eight. Noah and his family. But now today, how many people get into the ark of Jesus? Could we even count? I don't even know. If we could go back in history and count all the people who've put their faith in Jesus, it would be probably millions, maybe billions of people. By the time it's all said and done, probably billions. Lots and lots of people fit into the ark of the cross of Christ and are completely saved. Uh, he even says that, you know, it's like being washed. Uh, it's a, a kind of a play on words there. The water of judgment came down 
Uh, but the ark went up. And even though the water washed over the ark, they weren't killed by it. They were cleansed by it. And the same thing with us. Uh, the judgment of God comes down, but we go up. And we're cleansed by God's water rather than drowned by it. That's what baptism means. We're cleansed by the water of God. We're made new. He says there in uh, verse 21, we're given a good conscience before God. A good conscience, meaning we can, li- we can be at peace with God. We don't have to worry about um, the sins we've committed and the guilt that it's caused. We can live in full peace with Him. Uh, not only that, uh, we know we're never alone. Ever again, when, when you come to Christ, you're in the ark with Him, you're never ever going to be alone again in a day in your life. And that's something to be thankful for. Because isn't it true, sometimes we feel alone, very alone in the world. Um, Sometimes even being a Christian makes you feel alone because the people around you might not be on the same page spiritually and and may even make fun of you or shun you for your seriousness about God. But here it says, no, you're in an ark gathered together with Christ Christ. And with all those other people that believe in Christ, and you have a good conscience with God, and so all the confidence in the world is yours. I mean, there's so many reasons for us to be thankful on Easter Sunday. Cleansed, brought back to God, no longer liable to judgment, not just scot-free from judgment, but positively in God's good graces. Welcomed with a hug, as the story that Jesus told tells us. That story of the prodigal son where the father doesn't just say, okay, son, I won't kill you now. Instead, he runs to him, throws himself on him and hugs him. Many, many reasons to be thankful for what God did through his son on the cross and the resurrection. Christianity is about both places. It was the cross that brought us to God, and here he says it's the resurrection that gives us a good conscience. Verse 21. If Jesus is the sacrifice, and Jesus, after he was sacrificed, was raised from the dead, never to die again, what does that say about his sacrifice for you? Accepted, right? Fully accepted. I mean, God the Father saw what his son was giving for us, and he accepted it in full. That's why he raised him from the dead. That's why he's alive today. And so you don't ever have to pay for your sins again. You don't have to have, ever have to bear that burden. Don't even try to bear that burden because he bore it for you. Now, let's, let's move to the second thing. I, I told you it was going to be quick. The second thing is how do we show we're thankful? And I love what Peter says in verses 1 through 6 because when I think of Thanksgiving, I think of what I say or what I sing or what I pray. I don't often think of what I do. And yet Peter says almost all that he says is about what we do or the attitude that we have in what we do. And this is where my encouragement is for you tonight as Easter Sunday closes and Monday morning begins and it won't be long on Monday morning before Easter is a very distant memory. (laughs) And whatever joy you had in today will probably be shot quickly just in the normal uh, run of life. Look at what he says, verse 1 of chapter 4. Since Christ suffered in your flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking that he had. Try that on tonight as you face Monday morning. 
What way of thinking did Christ have? Well, he had a willingness to suffer. He had a willingness to suffer, well, at least for two reasons. One, he really loved his Father in heaven. And whatever his Father in heaven called him to do, he was going to do it. Because he loved his Father. But the second thing is, he really, really loved us. He loved his people. And so whatever suffering he'd have to go through to get us back with his Father together with him, he was, going to, he was all in. And so when Peter says, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, it's saying we ought to be so in love with God and so full of love for each other that whatever Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning has for us and only God knows what's ahead, we ought to have that mindset that says I'm going to serve, I'm going to show my gratitude by trying my best to obey God even when it hurts. Because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. If Jesus thought we were worth dying for, how much more worthy is he to live for? That's kind of the logic here. If Jesus thought it was worth it to die for us, and it was in his mind because that was what he, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the councils of eternity decided they were going to do. Out of love, they thought it was worth it. How much more is it worth it to live our lives for God? So in verse 2, it says basically, let go of the old way of life. Easter draws a line in the sand. It draws a line in the sand. Once you cross that line, there's no going back. Once you cross that line of, I believe that Christ was raised from the dead because he was crucified, the righteous for the unrighteous for me. He had to die for me. Once you cross that line, there is no going back. The way of living without Jesus is just a mess. You can go back through the list in verses 3 and 4. Peter describes it as a flood of debauchery. The word debauchery means wastefulness. It's just a steady stream of waste. And crazy as it is, uh, when we cross that line and our life begins to change because of what Jesus does for us, people think we're crazy for not going with that steady stream of waste. But Peter says, don't let them, don't let them get you down. Remember, Jesus had this way of thinking. I'm, going, I'm willing to suffer to follow my Father. I'm willing to suffer to serve the people that my Father sent me to serve It's always good to remember verse 5. This is part of the reason why once you cross the line of not believing in Christ to believing in Christ, you can never go back because you suddenly see verse 5 is true. Everyone will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Wow, that makes life a whole lot more serious, doesn't it? But it also makes life a whole lot more exciting, too. Especially when you know that the judge who will judge the living and the dead was the living one who died for you, who lives again, never to die again. That judge will be the one with the scarred hands that we read about this morning, the scarred side. His judgment won't just be in, you know, uh, stickler fashion. His judgment will be gracious towards his people. 
because the righteous one had already, for the unrighteous, laid his life down. We don't have to fear judgment. And so Monday morning tomorrow, that we talked about this morning, Jesus knows how to comfort fearful disciples, but he also knows how to encourage discouraged disciples. <laughs> and it's really easy, you know, after Easter fades away to get really discouraged. You know, is what I heard in church really that true? Uh, I encourage you to revisit 1 Peter 3, 4. Think about these things. Think about how all, start listing the things Jesus did for you. And then start thinking, if I'm going to live a life of gratitude, it's got to go beyond words. Right? It's got to be my way of thinking. It's got to be what I actually do that expresses it. Amen? All right, let's pray together.